Disaster, a podcast about disasters and the music they make us listen to. I'm Peter, and I'm here with my co-host, Lee. Hi there. And our special guest, Craig, from Canadian History X. He's back for another Canadian disaster. That's right. Yes. So right before we get started, I'm going to do the housekeeping I always do. If you're new here, thanks for joining. Happy to have you. The best thing you can do is to tell a friend to listen if you like what you hear. Tell everyone. Don't stop telling people. Shout it from a mountaintop. Find a mountain, climb it, say this is a disaster, and watch people panic. Tell, (laughs) tell, don't show. Yeah, exactly. saying, right? Yeah. (laughs) Next best thing, subscribe if you aren't already. Leave us a review. That's fantastic. If you want to follow what we're doing, keep up with us. Check out our social media at This Disaster Pod, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Our website, thisdisasterpod.com, and our brand new Patreon, patreon.com slash thisdisasterpod. Yeah. So one more thing before we get to the disaster, a little bit of listener feedback. And I said listener that time. I've been known to say reader, and I've realized that we're not a text-based medium. No. You can't read our words as they're being... I suppose you could. If you had some kind of app that did that for you, that'd be amazing. Or if you have synesthesia. And Ooh. it's the you have a particular version where instead of hearing things, you when you, you hear things, you see, see the words. The words, maybe. Oh. I don't know if that's a thing. We should look into that. We should. That's an, we're, we'll sidebar that at some point, probably. <laughs> I know we will. Today, I got some feedback from Jamie Face Forty Three underscores between all of those. Sure. On Instagram, okay. so he got in touch. Just gonna pat ourselves on the back a little bit, just to tell us what an awesome job we're doing. Thanks, Jamie so that was Face. Nice. Thanks, Jamie Face. I'm assuming that his last name isn't actually Face or the number forty three, but <laughs> we'll. Maybe that was the one he was issued when he was created. (laughs) (laughs) One thing that he did suggest... So first of all, it was awesome. His birthday is December 6th, which is the Halifax explosion. Of course. That's a pretty solid birthday. Yeah. In 82, though, so I don't think he actually witnessed the explosion. No, they just commemorate it every year after they give him this cake. (laughs) Kaboom! They blow it up in his face every time. He's like, (laughs) fuck! I wish I'd never told you assholes about that. (laughs) So he was commenting on, actually, again, the Jim Sullivan episode. Jim Sullivan versus the UFO. (laughs) You've got (laughs) some homework. I do. You issued yourself some homework from that Uh episode. So Uh he asked us if we had ever heard of or thought about doing an episode about a man named Graham Parsons. Does Graham Parsons ring a bell? I know the name. Okay. I don't know. I Yeah. I'm just going to say I've heard of the name. Sweet. Well, it's, <laughs> it sounds like a potentially another disastrous folk musician from the 60s. Great. So I know that that's right in your wheelhouse. So maybe maybe add that to the list of your homework. You betcha. I don't, I don't, I don't I'm not just here to sign homework for you, but you know what? The fans well, hey, want what the fans want. I'm always running out of ideas <laughs> just for this <laughs> and in my life in general. <laughs> so, hey, I'm not above taking suggestions. You're always one half step ahead. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I, I get mm-hmm. that. Yep. So keep an eye out for that or an eye out. Again, list, readers, not listeners. Listeners, keep not readers. Keep an ear open. Keep an ear open for that one, Jamie Face 43 I'm sure it'll be the very next one I do. Yeah, and it'll, it'll come around. So thanks Thank for getting you. in touch. And if you want to get in touch with any questions or comments, odds are we'll read them out at some point. Uh-huh. So. So do that. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna stop talking and I'm gonna toss it over to Craig to tell us about another fantastic, depending on your perspective on disasters, Canadian disaster. Yeah. This weird, weird country we live in. Take it away, Craig. All right. Um, you know, I feel like I started like so big with the Halifax explosion. You know, we had iron raining down from the sky, yep. and blast waves, but this is still a pretty good one. This is you know, this has a lot to no it. No doubt. So. Okay. So I'm going to talk about the Frank Slide. Have you guys been to the Rocky Mountains before? Never. Mm, no. Maybe when I was a kid, because my parents did a lot of traveling when I was like three years old. And okay. then they were like, oh, you you went to Hollywood. Thanks. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I don't remember. No, so, so no. Long story short, no. All right. Well, this is where that takes place. So 
1901, the community of Frank is founded in the District of Alberta in what would one day be the southern portion of the province in the Crow's Nest Pass. So right before you get into BC, this is where you would find uh, Frank. Okay. Coal had been discovered at Turtle Mountain in 1900, so they've decided to build this community right at the base of the mountain, mm-hmm. and the mountain's called Turtle Mountain, as I said. Okay. The community is named for Henry Frank. He owned the Canadian American Coal and Coke Company, which was operating the mine. Mm-hmm. And when they opened the mine, it was this massive event. Canadian Pacific Railway ran a special train, brought 1,400 people out. <laughs> uh, Henry Frank was there. The Premier was there. The Federal Minister of the Interior was there. Wow. And it was just this, this giant celebration for this wow. brand new coal mine at this mountain. So I don't know if this is a disaster yet. But I get really uncomfortable when I get a list of all the important people that were attending an event. <laughs> <laughs> just, just thing to mention. Yeah, did you say exactly. coal and coke? Coal and coke. Yeah. When you say coke, so, not 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 cocaine. <laughs> the delicious, refreshing drinks <laughs> that had cocaine in it. Right. No. Co- so coke is a. Uh, maybe you've got more details on what coke is, but I remember my dad explaining it to me once. Is it like an unrefined version of coal? I think so, yeah. Oh, really? My dad showed me a chunk of it once and said, this is Coke. I'm like, no. No, it's not. No, it's not. Coke comes in a can. Give me one, please. Exactly. Go on, Craig. (laughs) So the community quickly grew. By 1903, it had a population of 600 people. Mm. I'm going to talk about the mountain. It was created about 70 to 80 million years ago. Oh. Uh, And it was named by rancher Louise Garnett, who saw a turtle's face and a shell kind of in the silhouette of the mountain. So they thought, turtle mountain. Hey. That's nice. As good as name as any. It's better than like Boob Mountain. I would have gone with Boob Mountain. (laughs) Probably cut that one. That's why I'm not naming things. (laughs) People know we're immature, but maybe not that immature. (laughs) So the mountain was immediately south of Frank. And uh, the indigenous people knew about this mountain for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. And in their oral tradition, they called it the mountain that moves or the mountain that walks. Okay. Uh, And that's important to to remember. That's That's a little more poetic than Turtle Mountain. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's very interesting and and Um, ominous. Yeah. Uh, they refused to ever camp in the area of the mountain as well. Okay. And this is what you call a warning sign. But nobody <laughs> listens. So. That, yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. So they built a city under it. <laughs> yeah, why not, yeah, right? Just put a city there. What's going to happen? So the mountain was made of an older limestone layer that had kind of folded over on top of shale and sandstone. Okay. So it was a very heavy and then very kind of not heavy underneath. Right. Mm-hmm. And over the eons, erosion caused the mountain to kind of have a steep overhang of its limestone area. So it was just kind of hanging over. And of course, again, it's like, let's put a town right under that. (laughs) Under the shadow of it. I'm picturing it like a cartoon, basically. (laughs) Pretty much. Like a a Dr. Zeus book where you have... Oh, okay. Like a, <laughs> yeah. like a comical village underneath a mountain that's literally on top of it. Yeah, literally okay. like a sideways U. Yeah, good, good. How about another warning sign Absolute, yeah. of what this mountain can do? So miners often said that the mountain mined itself because it would actually squeeze coal out of the seams and they could just walk around and pick the coal up inside the mine. It is a Dr. Seuss yeah, book. Right? Also, don't even, don't go there, let alone build a city yeah. there. These guys won't go near it. Oh, they're idiots. They think it walks. Yeah. What do they know? They've been here for thousands of years. We just got here. We know better. There might there might be an uh, I told you so by the indigenous people <laughs> in a very short 
little while. Fair enough. (laughs) Naturally, no one listened to the warnings, and mining quickly began on the mountain. And in the first few months of 1903, miners began to notice that the mountain was rumbling a lot more. And they also saw that the timber supports in the mine shafts were starting to crack and splinter. And this is 1,000 to 1,500 meters deep inside the mine. And they said they could kind of feel almost like a general squeeze of the mountain. <laughs> did, did you say that was warning sign number three or or 3,000? This has got to be like four, four or five at least. A dozen. <laughs> yeah. So naturally, nobody did anything. They just kind of, <laughs> this problem will go away. It'll fix itself. Right, yeah. la, no la, big la, deal. La, la, la. Fingers in the ears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Seems to be common with your episodes. This problem will go away. Yeah. <laughs> no, it'll be fine. This is when I would do a call out to a specific episode, but here I'm just going to say, just listen to all of them. Pretty much anyone's going to have that. <laughs> Everyone ignores disaster until it happens. <laughs> so the problem didn't go away. And on April 29th, in the early hours of the day, a freight train was pulling out of the mine and it began making its way down towards town to go over the bridge uh, over the Crow's Nest River. And the crew on the train began to hear this very loud rumbling behind them. Mm. And the engineer decided, like, they don't have pedals, but essentially pedal to the metal. (laughs) And he gunned the train across the Crow's Nest River. And that rumbling was the mountain. Falling over. Oh, good. Mm. Yeah. So at 4.10 a.m., 110 million tons of rock broke off the peak of Turtle Mountain and began to slide down the mountain. And the section of rock that broke away was a kilometer wide, half a kilometer long, and 150 meters deep. <laughs> it was huge. What? It was a chunk. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so a city-sized yeah. rock. Oh, man. Went freewheeling. Immediately, I want to compare that to, that sounds like St. Helens scale. I can't remember that, the numbers. That's there. what I was thinking yeah. with St. Helens. Yeah. A smaller scale one, but yeah, right. still, I mean, pretty big. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> we did an episode on that number number eight for those of us just joining now. Yeah. <laughs> but wow. That is too. massive. So the rocks moved at about 112 kilometers an hour, uh, traversing the distance from the top of the mountain down to the community in about a hundred seconds. So more or less, you hear something and then it's like it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't have any time. Just over a minute. Yeah. Okay. The sound of the rock slide, it was so loud they could actually hear it 200 kilometers away in Cochrane, which is uh, right near Calgary. Okay. Jeez. Terrifying. A three-kilometer area was completely buried under 46 to 150 feet of rock. So anybody claustrophobic, you know, don't think about 150 feet of rock above you. (laughs) I don't want to. That's what we call a worst-case scenario. (laughs) Yeah. Holy crap. 112 kilometers an hour. That's that's like our highway speed. Yeah, that's burning. Yeah. Jeez. Yes. And they say that you could build a one-foot wall from Victoria to Halifax with the amount of rock that fell off of (laughs) coast to coast basically coast to coast coast to coast (laughs) look at a map look at how big canada is and build a one foot wall yeah oh my (laughs) god see the shining sea (laughs) tears so 100 people were living in the path of the rock slide and 70 to 90 were killed instantly when the rocks came tumbling down only 23 people in line of the slide survived Mm -hmm. And 80 bodies have never been found. They're still Oof. they're still there. Whoa. Yikes. Under Jeez. 100, well, and probably likely never to be found. No. Are people are people looking? Maybe you'll get there. No. No, I've driven, I haven't actually been to like the interpretive center, okay. but I've driven through there a few right. times. Yeah. And it's just giant chunks of rock for a couple kilometers. Wow. And they just don't touch it. It's just, it's just. Jeez. Right. Like, there's a road that goes Impromptu through Impromptu graveyard. <laughs> It's funny you should say that. It actually covered a graveyard. Oh, okay. <laughs> Those Why bodies not? are extra buried. If there's ever a zombie apocalypse, they're yeah. not going anywhere. Yeah. Too soon? 
Um, so th- <laughs> this made it the deadliest landslide in Canadian history. Yeah, yeah. Initial reports were the entire mountain covered all of Frank, but actually the majority of the community survived. It was just the eastern side okay. that was uh, completely covered. Oh, wow. And uh, several cottages, buildings, road, railroad tracks, the cemetery were all completely buried under this rock. Right. Initially, they said, well, it could not have been the mining. Okay. It was most likely an earthquake or a vo- volcanic eruption. Okay. Couldn't have been the mining in the mountain. Probably did the, not the mining. Did no. the mining company say that? Or <laughs> uh, I imagine. And we, we, we'll, we'll, we'll get, get to what okay. the mining company thought pretty quick. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So the mountain slide is actually able to travel quite a long distance, considering. Mm-hmm. They have two theories of why that happened. The first is the amount of rock that came off. Uh, it might have caused an air cushion underneath. And so it allowed the rock to kind of travel on the air over oh. to uh, the town and land on the town wow. because of that cushion. That sounds familiar. Is that something like maybe the Latuya Bay mega tsunami? Or just maybe, oh yeah, it was the tendency, like yeah, when rocks fall, like part of the reason that the tsunami was so big there, again, another plug for a previous episode <laughs> of ours, but yeah, yeah, it, like the, the air cushion is because you have this giant mass of rocks and it hits the water, but it's not just the rocks that are displacing the water, it's the air that it takes with it because of the scale, right? Right. I guess it happens on a small scale exactly, when you throw yeah. a rock into a pond. But when you magnify that to yep. whatever millions of tons you just said. So it just glided on that <laughs> cushion of air. Terrifying. Just glided on that. Terrifying. Yeah. There's another theory. It's a acoustic fluidization. And this results when there's a large mass of material and it creates seismic energy that then reduces friction and it causes debris to kind of flow down like a liquid. So it allows it to go much farther. Interesting. Wow. I didn't know that was a thing. So yeah, 70 to 90 people died in the town, but it's actually probably much higher because there was a uh, a camp of about 50 transient workers at the base of the mountain who were looking for work and they were just living in tents. Sure, right. They weren't counted in the death toll. So we were probably looking at at least 150 right. people. They're not part of any census or anything. A total of 12 men died at the CPR work camp, but it would actually have been a lot worse because 120 were expected to arrive already, but the train that was supposed to pick them up never did, and it ended up saving their lives. (sighs) Wasn't there a story like that about the Halifax explosion, too? Someone missed their... No, it was... Something about the Titanic, I think, like someone missed their ride or something, and and they lived. Right, yeah. (laughs) You have that a bit in this as well, where you have a lot of like, oh, I'm going to stay here tonight. It's a good thing you did because your house is gone. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, was that was that rule number three of our disaster rules? Always turn back. Always turn back. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was one of the rules. We got to revisit those. Yeah, the okay. disaster rules. Cool. Our our, our <laughs> commandments of surviving Cross disaster. Back over the Rubicon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to talk about the uh, few of the dead right now. Okay. okay. Uh, the first was Thomas Delap. Uh, he had arrived in town with his wife about a month previous, and he'd been living in the hotel at the time. And he was working at the electric plant across the river, and he was killed in the slide. And they found his body a short distance from where the electric plant used to be. But his wife survived because she was in the hotel. And a lot of people survived because they were in a hotel. Stocks in that hotel went through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Andy Grissack, he was an old trapper. He used to camp on the Old Man River. And he had no neighbors around him. He enjoyed living in a tent, uh, that kind of carefree lifestyle. Children used to come and listen to him talk about stories of the things hidden in the mountains, the lost lemon mine. And that tent would prove to be his final resting place. And they did find his body, and they found it. It's four in the morning, and he's holding a frying pan. So I don't know why he's holding a frying pan, if he was cooking something or <laughs> right. what. But they found him holding a frying oh, pan boy. for some reason. And he heard the noise, and he got up to see what the commotion was. Like, thought it was a bear. Yeah. A frying pan. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
And so when they grabbed him and rolled him over, they said his scalp kind of peeled back like an onion. Ooh, yeesh. Which is horrible to think oh, about. Oh my God. <laughs> Why are they Poor rolling guy. corpses over by the scalp? This <laughs> guy's ew. Yeah. <laughs> James Graham. Yeah. James Graham lived at the foot of the mountain with his wife, two hired men who lived in a bunkhouse, <laughs> and he had two sons who worked in the mine as right. well. And on the night of the disaster, they had a friend over named Ned Morgan, mm-hmm. and they kind of were surveying his land, which was right next to where Andy Grissick right. lived. And when the, my, uh, the mountain collapsed, it fell over the entire area and buried the farm under 100 feet of rock, killing James, his wife, one of his sons, and both of the hired men. Out of nowhere. Yeah. Like you're doing your job, and yeah. then 100 kilometers an hour of rock. <laughs> Ugh. Done. Just like yeah, that. Yeah, Robert Watt, he was a stable boss, and he had an assistant named Francis. Mm -hmm. Uh, They were actually at the Imperial Hotel playing some blackjack with a friend called Les Ferguson. Les had actually asked Robert if he wanted to stay at the hotel, and Robert was like, no, I want to go sleep in the stable instead. Watt had come just a year previous. His wife had died in 1902, Mm -hmm. and he came to work at the stable. So the mountain collapses, and it destroys the stable, kills both Robert and Francis. But Les lived because he was staying at the hotel. And he did what he could to try and find his friend's body, but they never could find Robert's body, but they found Francis's body. I think we're developing rule number four. Stay in the hotel. Stay in the hotel. (laughs) That's probably a good one. The bona fide, fortified bunker. Because there's a few few examples of that historically, too. Kind of. My wife's parents were in Egypt during the whole revolution thing that happened there. Oh, yeah. They just watched it from the hotel. Safe. Stay in the hotel. Safe zone. Stay in the hotel. Stay in the hotel. Do not be adventurous. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so they were miners who were working inside the mountain when it collapsed. Oh, yeah? How old were they? Like 10, 11? Sorry. <laughs> my, miner has Miner. <laughs> two meanings. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. With lights on their helmets. Yep. I see Continue. what you did there. Sorry. <laughs> um, so there were 20 miners on shift when the mountain collapsed. Yeah. Three were outside and 17 were inside the mountain. Oh boy. The three outside all died right. because they were on the side of the mountain that collapsed. Right. But the 17 inside all survived because they were so deep inside the mountain. That is not the way I thought that was going to go. But, no, but. Oh, there's a but. There's a but. But they're trapped. They're trapped, oh, they're trapped inside no. because their entrance oh. is gone. So they start working in threes and they're digging for hours trying to get out of this mountain. Mm. At the same time, the air is getting more and more toxic for them. Yeah. And they're able to finally break through just a little bit, but rocks are still going down the mountain, but at least they have air coming in now. So they're going to survive. And it took 13 hours, but they finally were able to dig free. And then they come out and they see half the town is gone. Uh, One miner lost his wife, Mm. all of his children, like they've more or less lost everything oh, as soon as they got oh, out of this mine. Can you imagine just the yeah. rush of different emotions? Like I'm free, I'm alive, yeah. but the guilt. Yeah, right. You lost your family. Like I should be dead. <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. That can crush you worse than any mountain. Yeah. Well said, Lee. <laughs> wow. That was that was <laughs> good. Eh? That was good. How about we talk about some survivors, some happy that, stories? That sounds, that sounds good. Kind of, yeah, I mean, that sounds good. Some aren't so happy, but, you well, know. Well, it wouldn't be this podcast <laughs> if it was all happy, so. That's <laughs> not why we come Lillian Clark was a 15-year-old girl, and she worked at the boarding house. Mm-hmm. And she was working late, so her co-workers said, why don't you ask permission to stay here rather than go home? 
So she got permission from her family and they said, yeah, no problem. And this would be the first time she ever stayed away from home. And she lived because of that, but she lost her entire family, her father, (laughs) brothers, sisters, everybody died. She was the only survivor because she stayed. Stayed uh, at the boarding house. Co-workers. I thought thought this was going to be the happy part. (laughs) She lived. Oh, she did, I guess. (laughs) She lived. There's other ones. Okay, good. Um, Sid, and I'm going to try and pronounce it. Sid Shaquette okay, okay. was a brakeman with the CPR, and he rushed uh, across the rocks to start warning a train called the Spokane Flyer okay. that was approaching because the track is gone now. It's right. just a wall yep, of rock. Yep. He, so he's running as rocks are falling around him, and he runs for two kilometers straight, but he's able to warn the train, stop it, and he saves a bunch of lives. And CPR gives him $25, which is about... 750 today okay and a commendation so that was good news that that is good news i was just trying to figure out if 750 is enough but yeah that's good okay that that, that was a good one Uh, robert and uh charles chestnut had actually chosen to sleep at the union hotel for the night uh they were supposed to be sleeping in a log cabin they bought but it just wasn't ready yet and the log cabin was right next to the stables oh and i think remember what happened to the stables so they stayed in a hotel yeah and lived. All Stay right. in the hotel. Good job. Rule number four. Chestnut Brothers. It's <laughs> it's carved in now. That's rule number four. Rule number four of surviving disasters is stay in the hotel. Stay in the hotel. <laughs> yep. Another guy, George Bond, he came from Ottawa. He was in his bed when he felt a big blast of wind slam into the Union Hotel. Mm-hmm. Everything shook and he ran out of bed, ran downstairs to see what happened. And all he saw was fire, burning stoves, ruined houses, and just mud and rock everywhere. Right. And despite the fact that he was just passing through, he actually stayed for several days, helping clear rubble, find survivors, all of that sort of oh, thing. Awesome. All right. Good job. Way to represent Ottawa. Yeah. <laughs> that's, what, that's, that's, how, that's how we do in that's Ottawa. You know, we we're, do. we're awesome. <laughs> yeah. All and we also complain about our city nonstop. Uh, that's true, too. Gabbing <laughs> <Yeah>, nice. <laughs> Lucy Ennis. Her husband, Sam, and their four children had come from uh, Ontario the previous year, along with her brother, John. And when the slide happened, their house was actually hit pretty hard with Mm. it. Sam could hear cries from inside the house, and he was able to get himself out of the rubble. Mm. And then he began to free Lucy from the rubble, but she was pinned underneath a beam. And she had her infant daughter, Gladys, with her in bed. Uh, But Gladys had a bunch of mud in her mouth, so she couldn't Uh breathe. So Lucy, while she's pinned by the the beam, clears the mud out. Gladys can breathe again. And then uh, Sam frees the other three children and James. And when he frees James, they find uh, Mrs. Watkins, the next door neighbor, underneath James. Mm -hmm. I don't know if she flew there or (laughs) the next door neighbor was coming over in the middle of the night. I don't know. Okay, I see. (laughs) But anyway, she lived. Right. Okay, (laughs) Okay, good. (laughs) So she lived, but she was injured. And had some splaining to do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, at least she can say, like, I was just flown. Something right. happened and I flew in that, here. I don't know what yeah. happened. One it of was... the few times you can use that excuse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, was just, I was just blown here by the massive rock slide. <laughs> that was a crazy rock slide. <laughs> Lucy was freed from the rubble and she just had a broken collarbone. So the entire family, even though the house was hit, completely survived. Wow. That's nice. That's, That's a good, good one. Lester Johnson. He was uh, laying in bed when a sudden wind hit the house. And he said the whole house kind of lifted up several mm-hmm. feet and then crashed back down onto its foundations. Oh my God. And then he could immediately hear the screams of his uh, parents, Charles and Nancy. Wow. So is that that cushion you were talking about? Or is that like a shockwave from the rocks? I think or? that was the shockwave yeah, okay. kind of lifted it. But rocks did hit the right, house okay, okay. Uh, and crash into it. I, bl- I believe his parents died. But Johnson, he quickly passed out. And when he woke up, 
there were two giant boulders over top of him, but they had formed kind of a roof <laughs> over <laughs> him. And it actually protected him oh. from all of the other rubber. Oh my God. Just a <laughs> random good luck, bad luck is right. insane. Yep. You're, at, you're at nature's mercy. Oh, at yeah. Point. It's like people that survive avalanches by basically building themselves a shelter under meters of snow. Mm-hmm. So he uh, he's laying there and then he passes out again. <laughs> and then he wakes up and he can see light through the cracks in the rock mm-hmm. now. He attempts to crawl out of the rocks, but that's when he discovers a piece of wood paneling is jammed into his side, Ooh. and it hits a rock, oh. and the pain causes him to pass out. Yep, pass out, Pete. That's what they well, call them. <laughs> and then he wakes up again. He pulls the piece of wood out of his body okay. with his bare hands, mm-hmm. and he crawls out of the rubble. And as soon as he gets out, he realizes that the slide has actually knocked all of his clothing off so he's fuck ass naked <laughs> oh my god <laughs> not not his day so far uh, yeah <laughs> no what next so he's bleeding Oof. he's naked bleeding yeah. and he has to swim across a creek okay. to get to his neighbor's property and it's april in the mountains so Ooh. it is cold uh-huh. right yeah that's not a fun no. swim when he gets to his neighbors, that's when he finds that there's feathers embedded into his wound. And what happened was the piece of the siding went through his pillow <laughs> into him and shoved the feathers oh into his God. side. Oh, just how so do he, how could this get worse? <laughs> became some sort of birdman at that point. <laughs> birdman. Yeah. <laughs> then he passes out once more. <laughs> Fair. And he's transported to the doctor. So, so far, I, I can't blame him for any of these passouts. <laughs> no, not really. It's a serious case of the vapors. When he wakes up, though, the wound's stitched up, feathers are gone, and he lived. Oh, Ooh. that's the best. That is that is pretty good. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> that Again, that's another one of those stories. That, that, that makes me think of, uh, I forget his name now, but the guy that survived uh, that day on Mount Everest. We had that, like, Mount Everest mayhem, Tragedy Tuesday. Yeah. There's one guy that got left for dead twice. And then, like, makes it down the mountain, loses an arm, oh, all yes, of his toes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, his yeah, nose yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And then I think back to times where my wife is like, hey, can you take out the garbage? <sighs> <sighs> Why does everything bad have to happen to me? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Wow. FML. That, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Totally. That, that guy, <laughs> that guy, you know, feathers in gaping leg wounds swimming <laughs> yeah. through a freezing creek. He's my new motivation to get out of right, there. Right. <laughs> Um, so I have two stories of people who are unbelievably oblivious. <laughs> That's what I'll say. Amazing. These are the best. <laughs> One guy called Mormon Bill, he went out for a smoke after a hard night of drinking, okay. and a rush of wind knocked him off of his feet. Uh-huh. He got up, assumed it was because he had been drinking, <laughs> and went back to bed. <laughs> he had no idea. Amazing. Okay. And the second guy, Joseph DeBeck, he actually heard the slide. He was working at a train sled about 180 meters away. So he hears this huge rumble and slide. He goes outside. He doesn't see anything because everything's dark now. And he goes back inside the shed and goes back to work. No idea that this whole mountain just collapsed near him. What was that? Probably nothing. Yeah, it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll we'll get to the aftermath Okay, okay. Day after the slide, police officers and doctors begin to arrive. On May 1st, the premier, he arrives back into town. Remember, he was there on the opening day? Well, he's back, and he orders the entire town evacuated. And it stays evacuated for nine days until they can kind of survey the mountain and make sure it's not going to collapse again. Fair. Good. The CPR line, it took three weeks to repair. I'd like to say that the mine was closed forever and everyone learned their lesson. But uh, the mine actually opened May 30th. Yeah, I could have guessed. Is is it is there coal in it? It's open again. Still coal. <laughs> yeah. Still coal. Yeah, we're going and we're going back in. 
it already collapsed once. Right. It's not going to do it again. <laughs> yeah. The worst is over. After they actually opened the mine, they found a horse inside named Charlie the Horse. Huh. Uh, he was one of three that worked the mine, and he survived the entire month inside the mountain, what? drinking pools of water and eating bark off of the supports in the mine. <laughs> a month? Charlie? Yeah. Wow. That's my motivation. Yeah, that Char- Charlie be like, the horse. Be like Charlie. <laughs> yeah. Wow. How did he not like suffocate? Uh, th- because there was enough air. Okay, yeah. There, I guess there's current. Yeah, uh, just yeah. enough. Wow, for a horse. Um, but th- there is a little little extra to that story. Okay. As soon as he got out, the miners gave him a bunch of oats and water, yep. and Charlie promptly died because he drank too much and ate too much. Oh, <sighs> for Jesus Christ! Never feed them too quickly. No. <laughs> like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's rule five, right? Yeah, rule five. Don't eat. Don't feed. Don't feed starving horses too quickly. Rule number five. The mine. Like I said, it opened, yep. and there were still bits of rock falling down this mountain right, okay. as they were starting to mine Perfect. again. Ugh, come on. Was it still barfing coal itself? Yeah. Why don't <laughs> they just wait and collect the coal? Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a couple of legends mm-hmm. attached uh, to this okay. uh, whole yep. thing. It was said that the Union Bank of Canada was actually buried with $500,000 inside. <laughs> but in fact, the bank had never been hit. And this legend arose in 1911. Uh-huh. And it lasted long enough that in 1924, when they were digging a road through the area, mm-hmm. there were actually police guards standing around everybody in case they found this bank, <laughs> which di- was never there. <laughs> the imaginary bank. Right. <laughs> Just in case. Just in case. Just in case. We all know that it's not there, but maybe... <laughs> Um, there's another myth of a young baby being found sitting on a rock in the yep. middle of the chaos. Yep. It's not true. No. It's been said that the baby was on a bale of hay under a roof in the mar- arms of her dead mother. Right. But it actually comes from the story of Marion Leach, who actually got thrown out of the house because of the blast of wind and landed on hay. Oh, okay. Uh, but her four brothers and parents died, unfortunately. Oh. After the slide, people kept moving to the community. Okay. Uh, and within three years, 1,100 people lived like there. Like you said, lightning's not going to strike twice. <laughs> yeah. Well, it took 70 million years the first yeah, time. Yeah, that's fair. There another you go. Yeah. <laughs> Probably safe. Years after the slide, in 1923, a construction crew was working near the town, and they actually found the skeletons of seven people who were believed to be the family of Lillian Clark. Closure. So why did it happen? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's <clears throat> how, how. How? Please do tell. There's many theories. But for months preceding the side, like I said, the, the miners were feeling tremors, feeling movement in the in the mountain. Uh, the winter was a very warm winter, so it had warm days and cold nights. Mm. And this would have weakened the layer of limestone that rested on the softer materials. Okay. Mm. And then there was a heavy snowfall in March, followed by another warm April, and then a freezing cold night that would have caused the fissures to break just a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it was found mining activities did contribute to the slide, mm-hmm. but the mine owners disagreed with this. Weird. You don't say. And they continued to mine. Uh-huh. But in, in the spirit of being impartial, the mine owners did hire their own engineers to look at the mountain and look at the mine. And the engineers did say that the mine was not responsible for the You're slide. kidding. Wow. The engineers hired by the I was going to say, yeah, where'd those paychecks come from again? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. what did you find? Wink, 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 wink. Yeah, as they're like, they're like leafing out the money. Yeah. yeah. Like, what'd you find? Well, it could be that you contributed, oh, uh, that's too, start putting the cash yeah. away. Uh, it's, no. The mine made the mountain strong. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. All that reinforcement <laughs> while you're digging. Yeah. 
So later studies, not by people hired by the mine uh-huh. company, found that the mountain had been kind of in a state of equilibrium for eons. Okay. And even a slight deformation, such as having miners inside the mountain, mm. would have triggered the slide. And that was definitely a contributing factor, along with kind of just how the mountain was made. Right. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Different opinion. Different opinion. Interesting. Different correct opinion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Mining would peak in 1910 and it would cease completely in 1917. So there's no longer mined anymore. Probably why yes. there hasn't been a frank a slide too yeah in the mountain that walks yeah <laughs> it's funny you should mention a frank slide oh boy <laughs> oh good i'm gonna talk about today okay. oh. uh so the mountain is monitored on a regular basis uh because there is still a tiny town right. there, and geologists have determined that a slide will happen it's not if it's okay. when and it's believed it'll be the south peak and it'll be about one sixth the size of the famous frank right. slide okay. okay there's 80 monitoring stations on the mountain that provide kind of an early warning system right. Um, if a slide happens, it would cover about 12 houses rather than... Well, it's that's, not that bad. Just let it go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's 12 more than zero, yeah, well, which it should be. No, that's, that's true. But I like your sarcastic version of it better than... <laughs> <laughs> Um, the mountain the mountain has two peaks now instead of just one. Uh-huh. The south peak is 2,200 meters high and the north peak is 21 meters high. 21 meters. Just 21 meters high. Meters, okay, right, yeah. Right, right. yeah. Dominion government study in the early 20th century did find that the cracks in the mountain had continued to grow. So there was that risk of another slide. Mm-hmm. So in 1911, they actually kind of dismantled the town that was closest to the right. mountain and moved it slightly farther away to make it a bit safer. Uh-huh. Okay. I'm just, I'm, I'm getting ready for the told you so. <laughs> yeah. It's going to yeah. be juicy. <laughs> <laughs> and so right now, 200 people live in the town. It's a national historic site. Uh, when you drive through, it's got a whole museum interpretive center they get about a hundred thousand people a year who visit uh, the area and the last survivor of the slide died in 1993 and it was gladys ennis at 91 and she was the baby who had mud uh, wow was saved by her wow she lived a long life yeah that's nice end on a happy yeah that's that is a very happy note (laughs) you can do it i usually don't So that's the that's the story of the Frank Slide. Wow, that is a disaster. That was a disaster. That was very interesting. One thing I didn't mention when you said it, but you said that the Canadian Pacific Railway they got the tracks rebuilt in three weeks. Yeah, that seems that's like no time. Impressive. Yep. <laughs> well, it, it was a pretty big link to like Southern BC, other coal mining communities. So, right. and that was like the only way through. So they had, had to, to get done. They had to clear that out. Yeah, fair enough. Wow. Okay. Mm. Mm. So you got any music to go with that? I do. I have two songs. Is oh, that allowed? Uh, yeah, we can. I think we can allow two songs. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, they're actually both specifically about the Frank's life. Oh, like they're actually about perfect. Oh, perfect. Um, right. them on. The first is "How the Mountain Came Down" by Stomp and Tom Cars. Nice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If there's a Canadian event, chances are Stomp and Tom Cars <laughs> has done a song. <laughs> <laughs> and the second song is "Frank A B" by the Rural Alberta Advantage. Hey. Okay. I think I know that song too. Oh, do you? Yeah. I don't, I don't even think I know that band. Yeah, yeah, they were, uh, they played in Ottawa. Oh, okay. Yeah, shows what I know. Awesome. Cool. Sweet. You probably heard a bunch of them just <laughs> yeah. now. I'll go next. For me, I picked this song way in advance. Oh, I'm cool. not even, I'm not even picking it now That's or anything. That's good of you to, <laughs> because, you know, be prepared I like planned that. ahead. Yeah, yeah I'm good. not, I'm not looking at my phone. Good. I didn't pick it good. a minute ago or anything. Good for you. So for me, the band is Pup. Ah, yep. Great band. Uh, do, do you know Pup, Craig? They're from Toronto. They're like, okay, I don't fair know. enough. They're like this, uh, they're kind of like a pop punk band from Toronto. Bunch of young punks. My band opened for them once. No big deal. Whatever. 
Just going to throw that out there. Pretty cool. <laughs> Pretty cool, Peter. That's like my one claim to fame. I was going to go to that show and I didn't because it was too cold. It was very cold. Yeah, I remember that. It was a great show. Yeah. Anyway, my one claim to fame. <laughs> Whenever anyone asks like, oh, what have you done? <laughs> Open for Pup. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the song is off their, uh, I think their first album, 2013, just self-titled. <clears throat> uh, and it's Reservoir. Okay. It's, oh, uh, yeah. That's like that their big song off that album. They're big. So good. Like the video is super chaotic. The video is a disaster in a good way. <laughs> uh, and for me, I think for this one, it's picturing those rocks coming at 112 kilometers an hour. That song sounds like rocks coming at 120 kilometers or 112 kilometers an hour. <laughs> uh, so it's just it's just an awesome song. It's a banger. Like check out Pup Craig if you haven't heard of them. Check them out if you're ever looking for like feel good, get shit done music. They'll do it. Uh, and you probably heard a bunch of it just now. Lee? I got a song for you. Nice. So yeah, I, I also came prepared. Nice. To do the song. Perfect. I thought of it weeks ago. Weeks ago. <laughs> so look, ago. I get it. Someone <laughs> dropped the ball. And that someone is it's the person talking we who's right persevere. now. Persevere. Okay. So my song is also some Canadian content yep. by a band called Shallow North Dakota. Okay. From Hamilton, Ontario. Nice. They were a band in the 90s. Uh, they were on Sonic Onion, that sort of indie rock. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, label, right. but they were super heavy like kind of an, an anomaly yep. of sorts on the roster they didn't do much as far as make waves but they were amazing they reformed sort of recently played shows anyway uh, <laughs> the song I picked is from their I think it's their third album called Mob Wheel okay. and the song's called Mustache Rock okay it's it's not so much the the lyrical content or the name of it or anything. Right. it's just it is a very slow sludgy kind of pile driving yeah. but constantly pushing forward like so it's more the although we learned that the, the rock slide happened quickly yeah at 112 clicks an hour yeah. in 100 seconds I also just picture this monolithic <laughs> say like kilometer wide yeah, right. rock yeah just you know barreling picture, down the mountain and picture like a tsunami made of rock yeah exactly Jeez. so to me this seems like <laughs> a pretty appropriate soundtrack to that. just this pummeling deep bassy Mustache. Nice. Yeah. And you heard a bunch of it just now. I sure did. Sweet. Well, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being here, Craig. Oh, happy if you to. If you haven't checked out uh, Craig's podcast, it's Canadian History X E H X, like A A X. Canadian A. It's awesome. We say that. It's all amazing. The time. It, it, it's such a good podcast. If you want to know anything, or more specifically, everything about Canada, it's a great place to start. It's also what what I love about it. A lot of things, but that it's bite sized. Episodes are usually like 15 minutes, maybe 30 minutes on oh, the yeah. long end sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what makes it so, like, you can just yeah. put on a bunch of them, learn a bunch of deep Canadian history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Super interesting. Super interesting minutia. <laughs> Is there anything you, you want to, you got any features coming up or anything? Just the usual three episodes, three to four episodes a yeah. week, usually on regular days, sometimes not, but... <laughs> Usually three to four, so, you know, tune in and learn a bit about our amazing history. Awesome. Indeed. Do that and find them on social media. Is it Canadian History X? If people look that up. Perfect. Yeah. So look for yeah. Canadian History X, yeah. Twitter and, and uh, Instagram. Thanks for tuning in. Like I, like I always say, best thing you can do, if you like what you hear, tell a friend, make new friends, tell new friends, tell old friends, you know, get in touch with people. Go in like deep into the contacts on your phone. Find a name that you don't recognize and just yeah. message and yeah. say, listen to this is a disaster and Canadian History X. <laughs> Add those you two. can't go wrong. <laughs> Other than that, if you want to subscribe, that helps a lot, both our podcast and Craig's. That's super helpful. Leave, leave all of us a review. That's also super helpful. If you want to 
keep up with what we're doing at This Disaster Pod, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We got a website, www.thisdisasterpod.com, and our new brand new Patreon, patreon.com slash this disaster pod. If you wanna if you wanna sign up for that, the first tier gets you a sweet print. If we get enough people signing up, we've got ideas for a new kind of feature that we might uh, we might might start producing. So check that out. That's it. So join us for our next major disaster. Thanks everyone. Goodbye. Thanks, Greg. Thanks, Greg. Thank you. Thank you.